Welcome to the Elevate podcast. Thanks for joining me today for this insightful and eye-opening episode as we look at how car makers are spending more and more money to suck us into buying bigger, more polluting vehicles and the impact that has on our net zero goals. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the Bundjalung people, traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been made, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. In this episode, I'm joined by Belinda Noble, the founder of Coms Declare, a collective from PR, marketing and advertising industries that pledged to refuse to do creative work for fossil fuel products and companies, and which Belinda founded in her response to her frustration with previous employers' own inadequate responses to climate change. Together, we dive into a new campaign spearheaded by Coms Declare that highlights the skyrocketing amounts car makers are spending on advertising SUV and 4x4s, and the need to restrict advertising for big polluting vehicles. We look at the need for transparency in advertising by labelling emissions information on all vehicles before sale, ensuring consumers are informed about the true environmental impact of their purchases. So, let's get into this week's pod. Welcome to the Elevate EV podcast, and I have got with me Belinda Noble. How are you, Belinda? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming along. Now, listeners, Belinda is actually the founder of Coms Declare, which is a group of around 300 individuals and 70 organisations from PR, marketing and advertising industries that have pledged to not promote fossil fuels. So, Belinda, maybe you can tell us about what your background is just to get started and and what made you start up Comms Declare? Yeah, so my background is actually in TV journalism. So I worked as a reporter and a news producer for around 20 years then took the very well-worn path into public relations and corporate communications. And I guess as as time went on, I found myself increasingly frustrated with you know, the organisations that I was working for, their response to or lack of response to climate change. And then the Black Summer bushfires happened and I, I sat down and I thought, okay, what can I do? What, what skills do I have to, to make a difference? What's my sphere of influence? And I thought, well, you know, maybe I can try and activate the people in my own industry uh, to take a stand. And somewhat influenced by the wonderful Drilled podcast, which if you listeners haven't listened to, please do. It talks about the history of, of PR in particular and advertising and how it's grown up with the fossil fuel industry and how you know our industries have very much been used to delay and deny climate change. And we're trying to um, rectify that. Great. And so you've already spearheaded a few campaigns, haven't you, to encourage change in the marketing and advertising industries around fossil fuels. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, well, we did the first report into the climate response by advertising companies in Australia, and we did a survey of around 200 agency bosses and also 50 or so um, people aged under 35 in the industry. What we found was that the industry was uh, very much ill-equipped to reduce emissions and and to even think about the impact of their work on the climate more broadly. While they all supported climate action, um, they didn't really have a a proper grasp of what their own emissions were, um, what their clients' emissions were, 
And so there's very much a lot of work to do in that industry. Other campaigns we've done is the F-List. So we um, run a list of agencies that work with fossil fuel clients, and that is now global. And we also run the Fossil Ad Ban campaign, which is a campaign for legislative change to regulate the promotion of pollution, as we call it. And there's actually been a few outcomes in relation to that, haven't there? For example, I remember hearing that, was it Sydney Council does not have fossil fuel advertisements. Yeah, well, people don't realise that, you know, those billboards and bus shelters and digital billboards on the streets and so forth are actually owned by councils. Sydney has one of the biggest outdoor advertising platforms in the world. And so we were able to get Sydney and 11 other councils in the past year to vote to stop fossil fuel sponsorship and advertising on their land. Uh, the sponsorship's important too, because that means that, for example, in the City of Sydney example, they take sponsors for their big events like New Year's Eve. And now we can't now see uh, potentially a fossil fuel company, you know, sponsoring that event. It's denying fossil fuel companies platforms. Yeah, that's right. People might remember when tobacco advertising was cancelled in Australia. That it, it's we're really moving into an era now where people are beginning to recognise that the pollution and carbon impacts of fossil fuels have upon our lives. So the reason I wanted to ask you along today, Belinda, to talk is because listeners might be interested to know that the latest report from Coms Declare, and actually which I had the pleasure to put together for Belinda and the team, is looking at carrying this message about restricting fossil fuel advertising to the transport industry. So This is not talking about electric vehicles in particular, but the report does look at how big polluting vehicles are advertised to us. So what made you want to actually move into this arena, apart from the obvious fact that transport is our next largest source of emissions? There's a lot going on overseas in this arena already, isn't there? Yeah, it's a really tricky one in Australia because we love our cars <laughs> um, and we love our big cars. But I guess what um, this report shows and what your amazing work has done uh, is um, so that the popularity of the SUVs and utes in Australia is not a mistake. It's actually been deliberately created with tens of millions of dollars of advertising and sponsorship over the past 10 years years. So it's not just that last vehicle ads have increased. Ads for small cars have practically disappeared. And what we've seen overseas is the kind of measures that I guess our government would be um, a little bit hesitant to uh, do politically. And that's like imposing tax on vehicles over certain weights, as an example, or putting, you know, making larger cars pay more for parking stickers and things like that. That's probably not going to happen here in the short term. But what they can do to try and reduce demand for the largest, most polluting fossil fuel vehicle is restrict advertising. So that's the kind of logic. People don't really think about it very much, but it's everywhere. You know, Yoda, Ford, massive spenders on ads in this country. And it really is influencing population more than I think we realise. And that's behaviour change that we actually need to see if we're going to reach net zero. Yeah, so some of the figures that we've got here from the report show that digital spend on SUVs has increased by a really staggering amount by 7 
times the amount since 2010 from $7.8 million to $51.5 million in 2022. Digital advertising is also a much larger proportion of what we're exposed to now as well. And this number actually really floored me, and that is that the annual digital spend on light commercial vehicles, which is largely 4 by 4 utes, increased 24 times from 2010 from $1.6 million to $38.3 million in 2022. Belinda, is it not just that people want to see more SUV and ute ads? You know, that's what we're buying. So the car makers are spending more money on advertising them to us. I'm sure that's what the car advertisers would say, that Australians just love SUVs and They want to see more of them. I guess it's a bit chicken and egg, certainly the most profitable ranges. So I guess that could be a reason we're seeing more ads for them. Whether Australians really love SUVs and utes or not, I guess the point is that we just can't afford these big, heavy cars when we're trying to reduce our emissions. I think that's what we really need to to look at. And advertising is fueling that, that demand you know, whether we like it or not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we know that our transport emissions definitely need to come down as part of our goals to reach net zero. And so one thing that was really a bit shocking to see in doing this report is that we know that there have been some reductions in transport emissions over the last 20 years, but they've flatlined in recent years according to government figures And what is even more shocking is that according to a report by Transport Energy Emission Research founder and director Robin Smith, those figures may not even be correct. So Robin did um, a test where they got a couple of SUVs and they drove them around and they measured the emissions coming out of them. And according to him, the carbon emissions and pollution emissions may be even higher than what the official data says. So it's like we're not even being told the right story, are we? Yeah, and uh, the effect of air pollution is something that's really not talked about, which is, I guess it's just been, you know, an an inconvenient byproduct of of the fossil age, you know, that we all have to sort of suck in these toxic fumes and we've just got used to it. But we've had like 200 doctors, organisations and health professionals backed our fossil ad ban campaign specifically because of the, the dangers of air pollution from burning fossil fuels and obviously cars, planes are a, a big part of that. So it's kind of an ignored problem. Hopefully, you know, I, I really look forward to the time and I'm hoping I'm here to see it when most of our cars are EVs, our buses are EVs, and we've got beautiful, clean air and quiet streets. Like, how good is that going to be? Oh, I can't wait. I mean, every time I walk down the street at the moment, I just really smell all of that exhaust. And I live on the coast in a regional area, so it's really disappointing. And yeah, look, those um, those costs of, of other pollution that come from these big heavy cars is really quite terrifying, actually. There's a 2019 report from the Electric Vehicle Council that looked at just the Sydney, Newcastle, Wollongong area and found that transport-related health costs cost taxpayers $3 billion a year just in that area alone. And they estimated that 
As many as 1,700 Australians are killed by air pollution from motor vehicles a year. You know, aside from the impacts of climate change that we're beginning to feel, there's some really awful impacts of these cars. Getting back to what the report is showing us, what were the biggest things that you found in the report that had the most meaning for you? Well, obviously the the amount of increase in advertising was pretty shocking, plus the reduction in advertising for small cars was pretty shocking. Also, some of the examples that we found really bring it home. The sustainability series of the block, giving away Ford Rangers and plugging Ford Rangers, which are one of our biggest, most polluting vehicles. You know, that that's pretty fun. And as you, as you pointed out, Toyota sponsoring National Tree Day, you'd have to plant a lot of trees to offset the emissions from Toyota's cars. It's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you say, oh, that's like what, you know, they've got Ford Ranger in the block, but their own studies show that sponsorship helped increase perceptions of trust and increased consideration of buying their range. So it does have an impact and that's you know, one of the most popular shows on TV. Well, they might have a little bit of competition now, mightn't they? Because we had VFAX figures out in early July that showed that in June, Ford Ranger actually got knocked off the number two position. Tesla Model Y became the second most bought vehicle for the month. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you'll never see a Tesla ad and, and here it is knocking off the Ranger. I think they spent $600,000 just on digital ads in 2022. So It just goes to show when you've got a great product, word of mouth will sell it. But when you've got a a big gas guzzler that's going to cost you a fortune to fill, you need to spend a lot of money to um, to try and get people into it. I I think that's my takeaway anyway. It it, it speaks volumes that Tesla's doing so well when they don't advertise. And yet our most advertised vehicles are the biggest vehicles in in many respects. Yeah, I I do wonder if Ford executives are sitting in the boardroom today going, right, what are we going to do? And that's the thing, isn't it? So we've got soon, actually ended on June 30, the 150,000 asset write-off. So that, I think, literally fueled a lot of 4x4 take-up being commercial vehicles. But that's ended now. So the limit is now $20,000 for asset write-offs for businesses. So it does make you wonder if these car makers will double down on advertising to make up for that sort of shortfall that they may be starting to see in their sales. So what do you want to see come out of this report, Belinda? Because I know that one of the things that when we first spoke was looking at what's actually happening overseas. Can you unpack that a bit for us? Yeah, so... I think Australia's got one of the highest polluting private vehicle fleets in the world, so we're up there with, with the US. So we're quite a different beast, obviously, to um, to Europe and the UK, but their conversation is a lot further along. There is restrictions on advertising large vehicles in France. There's countries that do restrict larger vehicles or that have tax incentives that work against the purchase of large vehicles. I just hope here that we we start to look at those. I guess that the reduction of the tax write-off is a great start. I think what we've seen from the the IPCC and the International Energy Agency is that we have to change our whole structure of our economy to favour environmental purchasing. So advertising is a part of that. Taxes are a part of that. Regulations are part of that. 
I really hope that we do follow the overseas example and, and, and slowly rein in these big fat gas guzzlers. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I know that some of France's legislation, they now are required to have a little labelling on the advertisements themselves, aren't they? In Australia, we get those emission stickers on the car when we purchase them and you can go and look up emissions information on the Green Vehicle Guide, although as Robin Smith's report pointed out, those figures may not even actually be that honest about how much emissions these vehicles emit. The fact that consumers aren't shown these figures in the actual advertising cycle means that they're just not thinking about them. Even myself, as a someone who's really concerned about climate, you know, six years ago, I, I bought a big SUV and climate impact didn't even occur to me. And that's someone who really cares about climate. You know, we're all on the journey learning as we go along. But um, I think it would be great to see tailgate emissions information or eco labels on advertising for these high emissions products, including petrol and cars and airlines. The consumer deserves to know the true impact of these products. But when they're advertised, you know, in the wilderness and trees and camping and all the rest of it, giving this impression that you can continue to use these vehicles and still have a lovely environment, a bit more information, a bit more transparency up front while they're trying to create demand, I think would be um, a, a really great step forward. You hit the nail on the head there, I think, is that it's really comes down to a truth in advertising issue, isn't it? Because we have all of these ads on that we are exposed to on television or when we're online and they show these vehicles in what are actually really fragile environments. And the FCAI code does actually stipulate that car makers don't damage environments when they're advertising, but they don't really adequately define what that means. And I've even seen some automotive media reporting on complaints made to the FCAI about certain advertisements and sort of really downplaying the complaints as, you know, niggling Nancy's, which is just not very good fall from the automotive media, I've got to say. Yeah. I mean, there's a term for it, green rinsing. It's when you you just use the green imagery, green logos to give the overall impression of greenness. You don't you make a, a claim, you just give the impression. And that's what people sort of can digest in, in a second of seeing the ad, you know, or a microsecond of seeing the ad. They just put those two things together, greenness and SUVs, and off you go. There is a greenwashing inquiry that's been started by the federal government, which is great, which is going to look into um, all the green claims made for a range of products. And I certainly hope that they look at green rinsing and the use of green imagery on ads for products that have an overall damaging effect on the environment. For me, I think that one thing that really illuminated how disingenuous these car makers are about the way they advertise their vehicles is um, the Ford Everest was actually a really great example because it's advertising this rugged 4x4 in the rainforest, but the narrator of the ad says, we know that some customers will be taking it off-road, but we also know that some customers are just going to drive it around their suburb. And the fact of that matter is that these cars emit more emissions in traffic, which means that if you're buying these vehicles and you're mainly driving them in suburbs, you're actually doing even more harm to the environment. So thanks again for joining me today Belinda before we go tell me what EV do you drive yeah I have a model three that we've had for a couple of years love it like my own children I just I love driving it so much my grizzly family will say oh well you know that electricity is coming from coal so it's still bad for the environment and then I'd point out 
that we've got solar panels and we actually charge it with the solar panels. So there you go. There's there's my my contribution to the environment. <laughs> you just reminded me that the sun's out today here and I need to go and plug my car in. So <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Belinda, for coming along. It's really great to hear you talking about this latest report. If anyone's interested, I'll put a link to the report in the show notes and to Collins Declare so that you can join their fossil fuel ad ban campaign. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks, Belinda. Thanks for your work on the report as well. It's absolutely sterling. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the Elevate EV podcast. Before you go, if you found this episode informative and engaging, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast to stay updated on future episodes. And please don't hesitate to reach out to let me know what you liked or if you have any questions and I'll do my best to answer them on the next episode. You can find my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again and hope you tune in again next time.